welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Denise Crittenden, author of the new novel, Where It Rains in Color. Writer R.W.W. Green wrote about the novel, a technicolor Afrofuturist fever dream of a book. Debut author Denise Crittenden has created a world and characters that are deep and weird, rich and beautiful, fully human, and far beyond. Denise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, Where It Rains in Color, how would you describe the novel? I would describe it exactly the way R.W.W. Green described it. Basically, it's this color-rich world. Um, it's an, a planet that I call Swazembe, and the inhabitants are descendants of a mystical tribe in Africa known as the Dagon. The Dagon actually exists. They exist to this day. But the reason I call them mystical is that they... Um, were able to chart the stars. They have this incredible knowledge about the cosmos and actually an awareness of certain stars that um, Western astronomers are just finding out about, yet they live in mud huts and on the cliff and have no technology. So they're really interesting. Uh, the descendants of the planet I created um, are not aware that the Dagon are their ancestors, and they don't know a whole lot about Africa because the Earth no longer exists. But the really the focus of the novel is a beautiful woman with black shimmering skin who is suddenly afflicted with uh, a skin disease. She, she lives in paradise. Swazembe is a resort planet, so they're not used to these kind of problems. So the novel traces her journey, how she comes to term with her um, sudden crisis, and the ensuing um, metamorphosis that occurs within it, within her when she um, becomes a telepathic healer and begins to reconnect with these ancestors that I just described to you. Do you remember the, origi the original idea or impetus that led you to write Where It Rains in Color? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Jeff, because depending on when you ask me that, I could give you any number of reasons. I would say the the main spark for the idea was a dream that I had one night. It was a really intriguing dream, and I woke up and jotted it down and went back to sleep because I had to get up early and go to work. That was probably the main impetus. But also, over the years, I had some other experiences that fed into that dream or the inspiration. I traveled to um, Zimbabwe and lived there for a year, and I was inspired by what I observed of the people there. And um, I attended a lecture on melanin. And last but not least, I happened to watch uh, a Star Trek of episode, uh, I'm sorry, an episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. And they visited an all black planet. I was thoroughly intrigued and I found it interesting, but I was a little bit disappointed because I just said to myself, oh, I would have done so much more with that. I would have done so much more with that. So all of it came together it was a culmination, starting with the dream and my other experiences. And then that thing, I think that was the last straw. It was like, okay, I have to do this. That's great. Well, what was your writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Well, I'm a former journalist. I mm -hmm. worked at two newspapers. I was a Detroit news reporter for 15 years, two years at the Kansas City Star. And I worked as editor of a couple of magazines, one national, one local. But like I said, I was always having these dreams. So 
in the back of my mind, I knew that I wanted to write speculative fiction. I liked what I was doing. I loved being a journalist, but I just have this imagination and I don't like being in a box. I don't like being stuck within certain laws or certain realities. So uh, writing science fiction fantasy for me was the next logical step. That's great. Well, you describe yourself as an Afrofuturist. What does that word mean to you? Afrofuturism means that we're not content to keep African Americans locked into the current reality of, let's say, injustice or oppression or any of the other woes that we currently experience in the 21st century on the planet Earth. It means that we're visionaries and we see something better. Or we might see something that's um, similar, but in my opinion, we're moving so far beyond that. I think that an Afrofuturist can be just can t- have a lot of takes. I mean, we're, we all probably have different um, perspectives and visions. But for me, Afrofuturism means creating a more expansive reality. Like, for instance, on Swazembi, the people there are of African descent, and they're very dark. Being dark is not a pejorative term. Being black is something that is elevated and admired. So they're not respected despite the fact that they're black. They are respected because they are black. Now, that's really what I call flipping the whole um, scenario, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, I know that science fiction has traditionally been a literature written primarily by white men or women. How does it feel to expand the stories in the genre with your debut novel? Well, it feels really, really good. It feels like, um, you know, as an African-American woman, I'm taking a bold stand and I'm sort of saying, let's take our power back. Let's not let others define who we are. Uh, Let's decide to look at some aspects of um, being African or African-American and see what we can do with them in terms of space, in terms of future. How can we expand this? For instance, the lecture I attended on melanin said that if melanin were used properly and we as African-Americans weren't confronted with so many other challenges, I mean, I just read an article the other day that said that uh, African-Americans suffer more um, brain, can suffer more brain impairment because of dealing with racism over the years. Like we're talking 300, 400 years, and some people have actually said that we could be uh, suffering from some type of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Well, what I do in Swazembi and in this novel is that I take melanin to its highest degree and say, what if, because of it, we can regenerate our limbs? So that is exciting to do some other things with us and not just keep us mired in walls, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, when you were working on your novel, Where It Rains in Color, did you write an extensive outline or are you someone who just kind of dove into the narrative to see where it would take you? I dove into the narrative to see where it would take me. I I read about um, how some writers do require outlines. And I remember going to a, a writer's workshop once and 
ask us to plot something. And I remember I sat there just holding my pen. <laughs> that just doesn't work for me. Even when I was in school growing up, and they, the you know, teacher would say, okay, before you write your paper, write an outline. I would write my paper, and then I was like, oh, my God, I got, forgot to do the outline. And then I do the outline afterwards just because they require it. <laughs> just, that just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Sure. So are you working on a new novel now? I am in my head. I have um, a YA novel that I'm working on, another novel that I, in the back of my mind I'm working on in my head. And then on paper, I have a sequel to Where It Rains in Color, but it depends on whether or not a sequel will be requested. We have to get Where It Rains in Color out there first to see what happens. But I can't do too much work on any of it yet because... I'm a ghostwriter. That's my profession these days. That's what I'm doing for a living. So I can't neglect my clients any longer. I have to kind of deal with my clients and then get back to my sci-fi. Sure. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? The best writing advice that I can give Jeff is never, ever give up because my journey was circuitous. I was, I wrote it when I left a job and then, um, it was basically just a template. I wrote the whole thing, but I realized later that it wasn't ready. Right. But mm -hmm. I took another job as editor of a magazine, forgot all about it, um, sat in a drawer. Then I went back to it again. Bottom line is I had to beg, borrow and steal time wherever I could. When I finally did get back to this novel years later, I still didn't have as much time as I would have liked. So if you wait for the time, you'll never do it. So for some reason, for me, that's the best advice I can give. That's great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? I would say The Circus Infinite by Khan Wong. I'm in the middle of reading another novel now, but I finished Khan's book um, maybe a week ago, and it is absolutely fascinating. He literally creates a circus on another planet, uh, a place he calls the Pleasure Moon, and um, it's about a someone with these interesting powers to control gravity who escapes from an institute where he's being studied, and he escapes to this Pleasure Moon. It's really, really intriguing. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your writing and your novel. Uh, DeniseCrittenden.blog. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Denise Crittenden, author of the new novel, Where It Rains in Color. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Denise, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Jeff. Absolutely.